This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it. And welcome, everyone. Daryl, Mike, Mike Four on. Hey, welcome, everybody, to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Live yet. And 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and more importantly, your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. Hopefully, you're having a great one so far. Appreciate you listening in, however, you're doing so, be it through the free the game 1037 mobile app out in Lafayette, yet 1041 out in Lake Charles, and also, of course, through your favorite smart speakers, just tell your Alexa to play the game Southwest Louisiana. And hopefully you're having a great one so far. I know I sure am because I'm here with you. And if you want to call us up, give us a call. 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Coming to you live from the game studios. And I got to say, it's a tremendous Saturday. Not just because of the fact that college football, it's been back to a certain extent. Everything's starting to kind of move in a certain way. The NFL's back as well. We'll talk more about week one and what happened early on on that Thursday night football game in hour number two because hour one is dedicated to the preps and the college ranks. Hour two going forward is going to be dedicated to the league where they play for pay. And we're going to be focusing on that in this program over the next two hours. But enough talk about that because I think it's time to get down to brass tacks and talk about what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning. And if those who haven't heard this show before, make sure, you know, it's time. Oh, it's time for your Saturday sports sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday sports sermon. And the time for doom and gloom is not here, and it's definitely not right now, LSU fans. And I've seen this story, this scenario, this picture several times before since I've been at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station for eight years. And what does this story look like? Well, you see, I've seen it all before. The massive egg they laid against Wisconsin to open up the season in 2016 before Les Miles was shown the door. K.J. Costello's one-hit wonder against the Tigers in the COVID-shortened 2020 season. I know we don't necessarily count that year all that much, but to be honest with you, it was a sign of things to come. And then you have last year, the sissy blue shirt incident with Ed Ogeron deciding to go ahead and feel himself, feel his oats a little bit too much, and get his behind handed to him. To a UCLA team that I think, honestly, they just got outplayed by 
in that contest. They weren't ready for what UCLA had for them. And then we have the gut punch of what we saw just six days ago with Florida State. A lot like what we saw last year with Notre Dame, Florida State, where FSU had them on the damn ropes, but they let that game go. But I think it's also the fact that this is a game last Sunday night that's resulted in the same things we've seen with a lot of other coaches across uh, uh, across LSU's history. LSU fans are wanting to fire the head coach and are getting frustrated. They're getting frustrated immediately. And I understand it. There is a certain standard of excellence. We've talked about it a lot in the past. There is a certain standard of excellence that is expected at LSU. And it's always the case that LSU has, without a doubt, some of the best players in that group. But there's always a moment where they fall just short. But let me take you off that ledge a little bit here and say, first things first, you're not firing Brian Kelly anytime soon, especially after you gave Ed Ogeron $17.1 million and he basically asked what time you want me to leave and what door you want me to come out of, which was a funny little anecdote he had the other day. But we all saw the writing on the wall with Ed Ogeron 2021. And I had the fact that you were under investigation for a lot of... There's still a, a dark cloud around that program. It still kind of is, but it's, it's much less pronounced than it has been over the last 365 days. But this is the time for doom and gloom. And for those maybe standing on the Atchafalaya Bridge after that loss to Florida State, step off that ledge, my friend. We're not going to go full third eye blind style here on a Saturday morning. But when you look at it, I think about things in sheer absolutes. Maybe a Sith, if you will, when it comes to LSU football. I always talk about two things, and that's the ceiling and the floor. A few weeks ago, when I went through game by game, I told you that Florida State, I think Florida, Texas A&M, those are games that are going to be very pivotal swing games. Arkansas is thrown in that, in that mix as well. The ceiling for that program is, 10 and 2. The floor is 6 and 6. It's a very wide margin, damn near Grand Canyon-like, according to a lot of LSU fans. But in year one, it's a bit of a rebuilding year. You are trying to rebuild what Ed Ogeron created and also establish a certain culture. Are they going to be national championship contenders in 2022? Magic 8-Ball says no based off of that last performance, which for lack of a better word was poor. But I predicted, I predicted an 8-4 and four record his first year at LSU. Again, wary about some of the contests. And I wasn't sure how much the Knowles had improved. Now again, was that tough to swallow? Hell yeah, it was. Especially when you had the Florida State Seminoles cosplay as the Atlanta Falcons in the fourth quarter and damn near blow that lead in the final seconds of that ball game. But for the most part, those issues can be corrected. This is the time where Brian Kelly has an opportunity to correct the course. Because I think that's what great managers and more importantly, coaches and owners do is correct the course after a bad night. After a bad bad performance, you're able to turn it around. 
I'm almost certain this week, and I said it a lot last year when I talked about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. When they had those games where it was way too close for comfort, the Cajuns barely beat a nickel state program in their home opener, a lot of other games that were in the mix. I can tell you right here, right now, that the LSU Tigers, over the last four or five days, it's been ass-chewing week. It's something I talk about a lot. Because if you want to win, and you wind up losing a game like that, and it was a lot of different issues. You had the the block kicks, which again, sometimes that's just freshman yips, especially playing in that big of a stadium. Then you have everything else going on with Malik Neighbors dropping punts twice, not once, but twice. So you had that, you had that happen. So the special teams all the way around was abhorrent, and it's been a while since we've seen it that bad. And you were able to take advantage of some opportunities because of Florida State's poor kickoff. They kept kicking that thing out of bounds. It felt like I was watching LSU, LSU special teams where they couldn't, They for a while they weren't doing that, especially towards the tail end of the last miles era. But I think the biggest thing is that this loss was not on Jaden Daniels in the slightest. Mind you, I wouldn't have minded seeing Garrett Nussmeyer out there on the field just to see if that would do anything different and also get him ready. Because again, you have a situation if you have a situation in case of emergency, break glass. If Jaden Daniels gets hurt and based off the offensive line play looking about as porous as SpongeBob SquarePants, that offensive line could get him in trouble. I think Joe Burrow would have entered the transfer portal after seeing that offensive line. And trust me, he's dealt with some bad ones. Don't believe me? Go look at Cincinnati the last two seasons. That's why they re-upped their guy's offensive line and they rebuilt it in a certain visage. How about that for a $5 word here on a Saturday? But again, the loss is not on Jay Daniels. Would have liked to have seen Garrett Nussmeyer more because you want to see him how he does under the bright lights in a big game. And again, I was a guy that wanted to see LSU put in Jarrett Lee in the national championship game in 2012. I wanted to see that. You know why? Because what you had as a quarterback wasn't working at the time, brother. That's how you that's one of the big reasons why they lost that game. Now mind you, I think it was also the fact they were just absolutely stuffed by Alabama. And I mean, again, that was an LSU team that could barely get across the 50-yard line back in 2011 in the championship game against Georgia until Honey Badger kind of busted things wide open. Again, just I want to see I wanted to see what Garrett Nussmeyer looked like. Now, I'm sure we'll get to see a lot of Nussmeyer tonight because you're playing against Southern, and that should be a shellacking. That's why you're not seeing a lot of odds of the sports books. Some real degenerates that want to see sports books that have that out there. I was seeing 45 and a half point spread. We'll talk about that more in hour number two, the bets and the and the spreads and whatnot. But I gotta say, it was a not great performance and it was more the, again offensive line was the catalyst for all this you had your offensive line fall apart faster than the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl just one more out there for you on a Saturday they're playing the Falcons tomorrow why not throw a little bit more shade their way but that was the catalyst 
they had a lot of short drives and it was because of the fact they had the offensive line look absolutely get shredded by a defensive line that was markedly better. You're going to be playing some damn good offensive defensive lines, excuse me, in the SEC. So you need to get better on the offensive line. Now, that's the hardest thing you're going to need to fix. Now, punt coverage, knowing when to take the football or and let it just or let it just bounce, that's something Malik Neighbors is going to have to learn and hopefully he's taken some notes during the last week cuz that was probably one of the biggest issues. Kicking team, I think it's more again, offensive line performance was lackluster and that played a huge role in why a lot of those punts got blocked. So I think tonight's going to be a good step in the right direction. Obviously, it's going to be a win. But I think it's that game where you're going to get right and more importantly, start to shift your focus towards Mississippi State, which will not be a cakewalk by any means. This isn't a mediocre middle-of-the-road type team that they're going to be dealing with. This is going to be a team that LSU in you know, Mississippi State they're going to have a lot of fun dealing with in the not-too-distant future. I'm intrigued to see how LSU does tonight and how they handle the quarterback situation. Because Jaden Daniels, he's been named the captain, but how long does he stay out there for? Because you don't want to run the risk of him getting injured. And also, I wouldn't mind seeing what Garrett Nussmeyer brings to the table. Hell, if you're up a lot more than what we're expecting, then maybe we could see the great Walker Howard donning the purple and gold which would be great so obviously he has a lot of ties here to the Acadiana area but again for those fans that maybe were after the game on the way back from New Orleans maybe were on the Atchafalaya Bridge contemplating life step back from that ledge and realize this feels like a rebuilding year national championships could be on the horizon in the next couple of years. Just temper those expectations, if you will. Going to go ahead and take a quick time out here. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on with high school football week two, largely in the books involving your Acadiana area teams. But also, the LHSAA made it official. A lot of the changes involving the select-non-select split, we're going to get to that next, and some of my just general thoughts right here on Under the Dome with CD on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. You can throw down that music a little bit there. Thank you. Got, I actually got a producer for a change, so it's a little bit different than it normally is. So I'm, I'm getting used to that change in my life, that we've got our guy, D. Witt, up in the house on the ones and twos, the threes and the fours. Got him 
kind of pushing the button, so he's getting the hang of it. But if you want to call up 337-706-0111, Daryl will take your calls and go ahead and say, hey, you know, we got such and such on the line. He'll text me, chat me up on that, and we'll get you on the line. We'll talk about what you want to hit on. And right now, I want to hit on what's going on across the Acadiana area with high school football and also southwest Louisiana in general because it was Friday Night Lights, week two, largely in the books. I think there's only one game that hasn't happened yet. Actually, two. That's going to be St. Ed against John Paul II, a team based out of Texas. And then Morgan City Generette, I believe those two games are going on this afternoon slash this evening. But we'll go ahead and kind of go district by district. The Acadian High Wreck and Ram starting off in 3-5A, one of the most important districts in high school football in southwest Louisiana. Acadiana shuts out Sulphur 49 to nothing. Karen Crow takes down Barb 50 to 29. It was a very competitive ball game early on, but the Golden Bears were able to pull away late. Lafayette High 2 and 0 beating the Como Spartans 54 to 20. New Iberia beats Sam Houston 35-14. Southside a little Thursday night football action. While everybody was watching the Bills Rams, the Sharks were getting their first win of the season with a 35-33 win over Cecilia. Manny beat DeRitter 50-7. While I'm getting in a conversation with somebody yesterday morning, and they mentioned one of the Manny linebackers committed to USC, that dude is a dog. I think that team is going to be interesting to see how they pan out in Class 4A. Eunice beats Jennings 39-14. Houghton beats LaGrange 44-14. Leesville beats Gina 21-14. How about them Wampus Cats? Iowa beats Rain 43-zip. Northside takes down Washington and Marion 45-20. Mild surprise there. Lafayette Christian Academy 2-0 with a 33-12 win over Woodlawn of Baton Rouge. Erath beats down North Vermillion 24-14. St. Thomas Moore ekes out a win against Alexandria Senior High. Last season, Alexandria came away with the win, but this time around, STM comes away with a 42-35 win. Turlings Catholic steamrolls Avoyles 41-12. Westgate beats Lake Charles College Prep 20-12. Bo Shane Thursday night shuts out Port Berry 34-0. Tioga handles Brobridge 21-12. Livonia shuts out Prime Pine Prairie 25 nothing. Opelousas beats Natchitoches Central 27-7. Eunice beats Jennings 39-14. Church Point defeats Kinder 44-36. You had Westgate. They ta- they took down Lake Charles College Prep 20-12. West, no, excuse me, Rose Pine demolished South Beauregard 48-7. St. Louis Catholic beat Iota 14-11. Damn near feels like a high-scoring baseball game with that kind of final. Mind you, not nearly as bad as the Iowa game last Saturday. Welsh beat Westlake 29-12. Y'all had another great matchup. Lake Arthur beats Mamou 32-14. Crowley edges out Northwest 21-20. Bazile beats Ville Platte 35-20. Central Catholic beats Abbeville 35-34. Crowley, I mentioned that earlier just a moment ago. Let's see, Erath beats North Vermillion 24-14. Berwick Beats Kaplan 36-8. Notre Dame gets a win over St. Martinville 35-14. Lauraville, they hammer, I mean hammer down, on De Quincey 39-12. to 
Grand Lake beats down Westminster Christian 39-8. to You had a one-sided game there, but one competitive matchup. Vinton 21-18 over Maryville. Welsh beats Westlake 29-12. Vermilion Catholic beats Ascension Episcopal. That was 48-24. to You had Parkview Baptist. They took down Catholic High New Iberia 21-7. Hanson Memorial beats Delcom 45-31. Martin Luther King Charter beats Kinder 20-8. Catholic High Point Capee, the fighting Cody Schutzes, beat West St. Mary 57-0. You had another matchup here of note. Elton beats Northwood Lena here 49-6. Gaydon which you heard on 106.3 Radio Lafayette last night, 54-12 win over North Central. Highland Baptist beats Hamilton Christian, 52-14. Oakdale beats Oberlin, 59-29. Let's see. Ascension Catholic beats Ophelos' Catholic, 34-32. Sacred Heart beats Maryville, 53-14. Westminster Christian, 58-6 over Crescent City. Centerville beats Thrive Academy 34-8. You had Covenant Christian beat Homa Christian 15-14. Damn good ball game there. Then you had Vermilion Catholic beat Ascension Episcopal 48-24. So that's all we had with week two. It's largely in the books. By the way, we'll have Scott Rabelais on in about five minutes. But I want to spend some time talking about what's going on with the LHSAA teams involving the Acadian area in the select, non-select. Because the LHSA, not necessarily, I'm not going to say they brought the hammer down, but they made the statement of how things were going to look. And this is effective immediately. We're not talking next season. We're talking about right now, today, with the new football playoff brackets. And we're going to break it down just so everybody can understand what we're talking about. And it's going to be by four divisions. And it's going to be both select and non-select. And the additions, we're going to go one by one. Division one select, alongside teams like Rummel, Brother Martin, Catholic High, Baton Rouge, Edna Carr, John Curtis, Scotlandville, Warren Easton. All these powerhouses in the state of Louisiana are all going to be here. Tell me division one isn't loaded. Well, hold my beer. We're going to add a few more to it. Acadiana High, the Reckon Rams are in the Division I Select, along with Carrico, Como, and Lafayette High. Now, for those that don't necessarily know how this all came about, we talked about it a while back with Hunter Bauer, but that was a few months ago. So, obviously, a lot of things have happened since then. I'll break it down for you. If you don't know about this, and this is something that happened while I was in high school, was that a lot of these schools have had academies. For instance, I'm a Karen Crow alum. Shout out Golden Bears. 2-0. Hell of a start. Especially beating Barb, a team that has always been a team that gives them headaches, especially when they were in 3-5-A back in the day. And now they're back in 3-5-A, so that's really cool. So when you look at that, the reason why is just the fact they have academies. Karen Crow, for instance, is the Academy of Information Technology. I know a lot of other ones, and we're going to get to some other programs across the Acadian area that do have academies. It's not just private schools anymore. It's if you're a quote-unquote school of choice, that's where you're at. So, with that in mind, Acadiana, Karen Krokoma, Lafayette Eye, Northside, 
and a lot of other schools across Lafayette Parish because they all have different academies that focus on different things. And that's why they consider them school of choice. Now, Southside was a part of that list, but they were able to appeal and get out of it. And I think that was more just because of the fact that they probably fall below a certain threshold of attendance to make it to make it look like a true school of choice. I can be completely off base here, but that's what it seems like to me at ground level. I'm sure Kevin Foote could give me more of an idea on that. I'm sure I'll talk to him about it either on Monday or sometime this weekend. Then you need to go to Division II Select. This one makes a lot more sense, especially when you look at the Acadian area teams being put into this Division II because they're all private schools. Lafayette Christian Academy, St. Thomas More, Turlings Catholic, the only one not in there. One of these things is not like the others. Some of those who remember Sesame Street back in the day know what I'm talking about. But Northside is included in that. And again, it's the fact that they are a program, a school that is a, a that has an academy to where it works. And you're able to make it a school of choice. Some of the other notables, De La Salle and Madison Prep are in there. Division three select Ascension Episcopal, Catholic High, New Iberia, and Notre Dame. In Division three, those programs are going to have to deal with Arch Manning and his door Newman. Arch Manning last night had like five touchdowns. Dude is on like one in week two already. Division four Highland Baptist, Opelousas Catholic, St. Edmund, Vermilion Catholic, and Westminster Christian. In Division one select is pretty much everybody else in 3-5-A. Barb, New Iberia, Sam Houston, Southside, Sulphur, and Westgate. Division two non-select is Abbeville, Beauchene, Brobridge, Cecilia, Church Point, Crowley, Erath, Eunice, Iota, Kaplan, North Vermilion, Northwest, Opelousas, Rain, and St. Martinville. Division three non-select, Lorville, Mamu, Patterson, Pine Prairie, Port Berry, Ville Platte, West St. Mary. And Division four non-select, you've only got five teams to deal with. That's Delcom, Gaydon, Generet, North Central, and Welsh. That's a lot to like unpack. And I'm surprised it got to it all without really taking too much breaths in between. But, you know, that's what happens when you talk a lot on the air and also just off the air. But this is something that we're going to be talking about a lot probably over the next couple of years. Because I think this is muddying the waters even more when it comes to the select, non-select debate. And more importantly, make me really want to see the split go away. And hopefully this is maybe the first step towards doing that I could be completely wrong here but that's where I think this thing could be going in my opinion is that this could be the first step towards unifying everything back and it'll be like peaches and herb reunited and it feels so good we're gonna go ahead and take a quick timeout. when we come back we're gonna have Scott Rabelais LSU reporter for the advocate gonna talk about those Tigers and the loss to Florida State, and what's next for the program right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Live yet and 104.1 Lake Charles. Time to talk some LSU football because it's a big day. Not in terms of, you know, the actual game going on today. It's more just a historical context with LSU taking on the Southern Jaguars. You'll hear all the action right here 
on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. For those that may be listening in on the mobile app, you'll be out of luck, if you will, because we won't we can't air that due to some legal restrictions. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Because now it's time to talk with our guy, Scott Rabelais, LSU reporter for the advocate. Scott, how's it how's it been, man? Uh going well. How are you guys today? I'm doing good. It's definitely a Fun Saturday. It's game day after all. But first things first, let's get to the LSU Southern game and how great it is to see from the historical context and how things have been very divided in terms of the city of Baton Rouge between LSU and Southern. And they're all going to be together for the first time. And this thing is a sellout. Like The atmosphere is going to be pretty darn incredible tonight. Well, it's going to be something yeah, you don't you, unique is an overused word, but it definitely is going to be unique. Uh, Southern, you know, they've played in other sports, but they've never played in football. And, uh, you know, both bands are going to perform together at halftime. And, uh, yeah, it's certainly it, it, the kind of atmosphere that you wouldn't have around any other kind of you know, non-Power 5, non-conference game. You know, she's got New Mexico coming in a couple of weeks. It'll be a little more toned down for that but yeah this is special they never played they probably will never play again um and uh this is uh been a long time coming i used to cover southern back in my younger days before i started covering lsu and i never would have imagined that that this would happen on you know saturday night in tiger stadium so it's pretty special and and hopefully it'll be a a, a thing that brings people together and show people that hey maybe we're not so different you know because some southern fans will be coming to tiger stadium for the first time and Obviously, some LSU fans will be seeing Southern and their band in person for the first time. So hopefully it's going to be something people go, hey, that was pretty special, And uh, despite the score. Because, you know, it's probably not going to be much of a game. But yeah. the game really is secondary in, in a lot of respects. As somebody who's seen the Southern Jaguars perform a couple times, mind you, I mainly go to, I go to a lot of Cajuns games, but seeing those performances, it is absolutely unrivaled for LSU fans that maybe have not seen a Southern game and putting together the, the marching band from Tigerland, that is going to be a sight to behold in and of itself. Yeah. Might, uh, you might not uh, be able to yeah, duck out of the stands at halftime. You're not going to want to go no. at, at halftime. This thing It's going to be, I don't think it's going to be the Super Bowl show, but it's going to be pretty, pretty special. Southern's band is amazing. And of course, LSU's band is, is very good as well. So it's, uh, it's, uh, just going to be really special and i think people are going to enjoy it all right now let's get into what happened six nights ago with lsu florida state absolute barn burner towards the very end of the ball game but at the same time it was also a very frustrating contest what were your overall takeaways from that game and what was the biggest issue that you saw on the field Biggest issue. I think you still have to go back to you know something very simple that would seem to be a concern from the beginning, which was uh, offensive line blocking. Uh, you know, Jaden Daniels. You know, rest of, a lot of people said, well, he took off and ran a lot early. Well, he was he, he kind of had the happy feet, and I understand why he he was not uh, too confident behind that offensive line, and uh, so they didn't open a lot of holes for the for the running game. Finally, they went up tempo in the fourth quarter when they were behind and needed to some quick scores and, and they led to a couple of a couple of touchdown drives that got them back in the game. So, uh, but just overall, a lot of 
mistakes, not not very crisp, uh, more than I expected. You know, just in all and in all three phases of the game, you know, coaches always talk about all three phases. But all three phases um, led LSU down: offense, defense, and special teams. Of course, with the uh, with the uh, muff punts and blocked kicks and stuff like that. So, so the, uh, while this is a game this week that LSU should win comfortably, there's a lot for the Tigers to work on and and, and to try to gain that improvement that people always say you make from the first game to the second game. Were you surprised they didn't try putting in Garrett Nussmeyer at one point to give them that experience of quality reps against Florida State? I was surprised, uh, actually. I, I, I was surprised. I thought I did a show before the game, and someone said, could, could you see a scenario where they play Nussmeyer? And I said, yes, if they're trailing in the, in the third quarter and the offense <clears throat> looks stagnant, and that's exactly what you have, <laughs> you know. Talk right now with Scott. Hey, Scott, you, I lost you for a second. You still there? Oh, yeah, I'm still here. Sorry about that. Okay, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Sometimes just connection gets yeah. a little wonky. Go ahead. Yeah, I said I was surprised that when they were down and the offense was stagnant in the third quarter that we didn't see him. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess they were trying to get so I think we'll see him tonight, and, and, and I think he'll finally get a chance to play. And I think he'll get his chances during the season. But, yeah, I was a little surprised with that. But, but Daniels, I don't think you can pin, pin the loss on him. I, I'd give him a good solid B+. Plus. Yeah, he was, he was off target on some throws and, like I said, took off to run more, too quickly at times. But overall, I, I thought he did a, a very good job under the circumstances. Looking at some of the local kids involved in LSU's ball game on Sunday, namely Keishon Butte, who pretty much almost was like on a milk carton at certain points in that ball game, till towards the very end of the ball game, getting a couple passes that wound up leading to what could have been the game tying touchdown, but of course the missed the blocked extra point wound up erasing that narrative. But when you saw that, and then you also see after the game, he essentially erased all mention of LSU from his Instagram and removed all things LSU related from his social media, it makes you wonder, is he already kind of got one foot out of the door or is this more of a situation of trying to block out the noise and go on radio silent for a bit and making sure he's got his head right for this tough slate of SEC football starting next week against Mississippi State? I think it's more of the latter. I think he caught a lot of criticism after the game and he got two passes but he had a, at least a couple more drops and one other pass where he just um, didn't get around on the ball and he was open in the end zone uh, on, a, on a good pass from Daniels and uh, feeling some pressure and your coach uh, Brian Kelly talked about him a couple of times this week and he you know, we, we, he talked about him Thursday and he said you know and he said uh, like he, he, he's he's feeling a lot of pressure this is a big year for him he come out as a preseason all-american and the projected first-round draft pick, and huge things are expected of you. And he's probably felt the pressure a, a little bit and uh, internalized it. And then you compound it with people, you know, getting on his case after the game, which, you know, they, let's try to remember they are college kids, folks. You know, this you know, let's have a little perspective on that. And uh, so, I, yeah, I think it was a natural red flag, but I don't think he. Uh, I, it doesn't. There's no indication that at this point that he's that he's going anywhere. I'm sure someone would take him, but uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think he'll be out there tonight, and I think he'll probably bounce back and have a much better game. 
I would sure hope so, especially against Southern, which you can hear, by the way, right here on the game with kickoff at 6.30 pregame, two hours before that at 4.30. Chris Blair and crew are going to have a heck of a call for that ball game. And honestly, like during the halftime show, they should just just keep those keep the crowd mics going so we can hear the LSU Southern kind of jam session there. That would be a great halftime show exactly. in, in my heart of hearts. But again, I don't. I don't control LSU SP and how they run things. But, Scott, like going back to another local kid, Jack Besh, according to Brian Kelly, you mentioned in the press conference earlier this week that you know Jack Besh has been dealing with a stress fracture. It wasn't shin splints as initially reported. What's the report? What's the latest on him? And when could he wind up returning? Yeah, that's that's a, a good question. I mean, we haven't quite gotten the full story on Jack Besh. You know, he came to uh, SEC Media Days, and there was no mention of that then. So I would think there's some kind of practice camp injury, and we, you know, we saw him at times and saw saw him that we did in August. But now practice is closed during the regular season under under Brian Kelly. I, yeah, I, I don't I don't think anyone has the impression that it's a real serious thing that's going to really keep him out for an extended period of time. But exactly when he can play and be productive, I think. We're, I think we're all waiting to. Um, I think we're all waiting to see that he had. He had, you know, he had one catch uh, in the game, uh, so uh, obviously he's recovered somewhat. But it's when he's at full speed is he didn't seem to be full go the other night, and it probably won't be tonight. And they might hold him out tonight because you know they're you know, frankly they're playing Southern, and it's not it's not Mississippi State next week. You'd like him to peak for Mississippi State next week, and I, I'm sure that's the, I'm sure that's the plan. I know I definitely would have that perspective there. I got one more before I let you go. What are your overall thoughts on the early beginning of the Brian Kelly era, especially because you, I, based off of what I've seen all summer, there was a lot more access to practice than it had been even going back to before Nick Saban was the head coach. Like It's been a long time since we've seen that much access be given out. And more importantly, it seems like there's a lot more just, to certain, to, for lack of a better word, just bluntness to how – Brian Kelly handles things versus some of the other coaches where they'd him and Hall. Yeah, there was a lot of access in the spring and, and, and August. Like I said, we're not going to practice now. We probably won't see any practices again until, unless they make a bowl game. And that's not certain at this point. But, uh, but overall, we, we've, got to, we've talked to coordinators, which we haven't talked to in a very long time, other than at bowl games when that's required. And uh, we, we, you know, the player access has been, has been pretty good. So, I think overall it's been refreshing. I think Kelly has been different to deal with than most of us expected. I mean, he's showed a sense of humor, but he's still pretty much all business at the same time. And and and, and the the sense of of uh, accountability and demanding that the players do do this and do that. You know, we watch their nutrition plan and be you know be be uh, you know uh, at, at at meetings and be be at practice when you're injured. At Keishon Butte you know, under Ogeron. Uh, if you were injured, you could come to practice. So you didn't have to. He wanted Keishon Butte there, even though he didn't practice in the spring. Every at every practice, doing something, at least observing or rehabbing or something. So that that was different. So I, I think I think I think Brian Kelly is the kind of coach LSU needs. I think the two most respected coaches at LSU in my lifetime have been Bill Arnsparger back in the 1980s, and of course Nick Saban. And they were they were both cut out of a similar mold as Brian Kelly. You know, a lot of accountability, a lot of organization, a lot of a lot of you know no BS, and I think that's I think that's been uh, been good. But at the same time, Kelly has not been quite as saving like as I thought he would be, and I think he's uh, I think he's uh, 
you know, handled. We've been reading him, his body language and his statements since the loss, and he's. I think he's handled it pretty well, kind of knowing, as compared to what maybe some of the fans would like to see, that this is going to be a, a bit of a process to try to rebuild LSU to a championship level. Rome was not built in a day, Scott. I think that's something we're all going to have to realize sooner rather than later. Thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. All right, that was Scott Rabelais of The Advocate. Always great to have him on. I didn't even realize he actually covered the Southern Jags at one point back in his, as he said, younger days. That was probably a a good while ago, but I always appreciate hearing Scott Rabelais wax poetic on the state of LSU. And we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to get to the Vermilion and White. Don't you worry. We penciled out, we've stenciled out enough time for those Raging Cajuns getting a win to open up the season against Southeastern. We'll talk about that next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world-famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday morning. I know I sure am because I'm here with you. And I get to talk about some college football. We'll talk pro football and also my picks to click to open up hour number two. But I'll end the hour talking about the Raging Cajuns and how they still have room to improve. How about that? Not quite Dr. Seuss, not quite LL Cool J with the rhymes. But you know what? I'm here for it each and every time. All right, we're done with the rhyming for at least right now. So when it comes to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, they got a really nice win over Southeastern, 24-7. Not necessarily a dominant, world-beating type performance, not looking like they were on God mode. But again, it's one of those games where you're pretty much not wanting to show the full clip. You're not wanting to unload the full clip, especially against a program like, with all due respect to Southeastern, they're on a little bit of a re- rebuilding, especially at the quarterback front. They had an All-American Cole Kelly, a guy that was an absolute stud at Turlings. Goes to Arkansas. He kind of gets into some trouble with Johnny Law. Then he comes to Southeastern and cleans his act up, and it's a great story. He has a phenomenal career at Southeastern, turns it around, gets opportunity to be on an NFL roster. Great story. Now it's time to see what the next guy in the line has. And that's the same thing with the Cajuns. They have they had Levi Lewis for that super COVID year in 2021 that resulted in him finally hoisting a Sunbelt Conference championship, holding up the 10 pounds of silver, as I like to call it. Getting to hold that was a great moment. But now it's time to move on and focus on what this team needs to improve on. I think to a certain extent, the thing they need to improve on the most is the run game. I think there's we're missing guys like Montreal Johnson, who had a fantastic run in the tail end of the Florida ball game against Utah, which I was going to kind of gloat a little bit about my Billy Napier to LSU 
kind of campaign, but I decided against it. I opted out to use a 2020 word on that statement because honestly, after really looking at the film, I saw what our guy Scott Rabelais said and what I said at the top of the hour. Offensive line had a lot to do with it more than anything. But also, I wouldn't have minded, you know, the lack of bluntness with how Brian Kelly handled that halftime interview. Because he could have been more diplomatic on that. <clears throat> but we also had, you know, the Cajuns. They came up with a nice win, 24-7. The defense looked good. Secondary was on point. A couple interceptions in there, really good stuff. You got absolutely one of the best return teams in the state of Louisiana. Mind you, that's not saying a whole heck of a lot, but they got a guy, Sunboat, Player of the Week, Eric Garrow. He was absolutely on one. Chandler Fields did a really good job, but I want to see a little bit more. There's still room for improvement. But again, you didn't see the full clip against... Southeastern. Will you see the full clip today when they play Eastern Michigan on the NFL Network? I think there's a distinct possibility that we do see that. Because I think Coach Desmo wants to be ready for that. He wants to get these guys ready because now is the time where you really start ramping up. Because again, you have a 14-game win streak. And I'm thinking that all throughout game week, they are being told not to focus on that. Block out the noise. Block out that... We're going for 15. We're going for the sweet 16 wins. All that stuff. They're blocking that out. Because if they're not, there's going to be a moment during the season if they aren't focused on just getting dubs that they don't get a dub when they should. And the te- and the game and team I'm thinking about just off top is a team a few hours north of us. That's UL Monroe. They play Rice next week. That could be a game they lose, but... I feel like that's a potential coin toss, at least in my mind. Hour one in the books, hour two of Under the Dome coming your way right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Astros.